St. John. I get on there every week and there's like, are we on there? Oh, good morning. Yes, good morning. Good morning. Scott, can you turn this? No, never mind. We're good. Um, good morning. Again, it's good to be here on this first day of August. I'm going to start with prayer if we can. Lord, we just, we come before you today. We come before you to minister to you, to serve you this morning, to to honor and to just to really take our place. And Father, I just ask you, Lord, that your spirit would be within us, your spirit would be in our midst. Lord, I ask that this place will be filled with the Holy Spirit to overflowing this morning. And Lord, have your way in us. Father, on this first day of August, I just ask, I just declare that the blood of Jesus is upon all of your people, upon this house, upon every household. And Lord, let this be a month of celebration and the fulfillment of your purpose. And Lord, let it have, let your purpose have every way to completion and to fulfillment in this month. We bind the enemy. We rebuke him from trying to resist or attack us. And we just speak the covering of the Lord upon every one of us and upon this house and upon every household of the saints. And we just rejoice as we dwell in your peace throughout this next month. Continuing on to celebrate and just to walk in your ways. We love you, Lord. And we thank you, Father, for the privilege it is to be here to serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to talk about understanding. And I just have to say that I've, re I've really been humbled in the midst of this study. I I'm always humbled in the Word of God. I'm always humbled at how big, how vast, how deep the word is and what a small little teeny speck that I am in the midst of it and I just am so humbled that the Lord would just continue just to pour out his revelation and put a hunger in us to seek it out and to understand and in this I, I have to say in all humility is to me kind of like scratching the surface of what God is is doing and and what and the measures of understanding that he is bringing us into and I just really strongly feel that just this simple offering is really the beginning of breakthrough for us and deeper understanding and for what he has for us and the more I studied the more I realized that this is something that we desperately need. Um, you know, it's one thing to, to have a lot of knowledge. It's a one thing to have a lot of informa information. It's quite another thing to know what to do with it and to know how to function in it because that's really the key. And so I feel like in this hour, a big measure of the breakthrough that God has been promising us is in this way, is in really a breakthrough in just the, you know, you can call it an anointing, you can call it the spirit. It is the spirit of God, whether it's Yahweh or Elohim, but that spirit that, that really um, imparts upon us a me this me you know, deeper measures of understanding. And so, I have just, you know, it's been probably three or four months that I have felt just the sensing or I, I can't even really describe it because it's like the Lord is revealing himself in this way to me in a new way. And it's almost like his breath is like right there. His, you know, his spirit is right there and he's speaking to me about it, but I'm having to reach to grasp it, <laughs> if that makes sense. And so, I mean, I, I'm stumbling through this to say that I, 
I feel like the more that I know, the less that I know. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so I, this is a very humbling, humble offering. And, and um, I, just, I really just felt like I needed to open this up prophetically for us to um, embrace this dispensation of, of, of his anointing in this way. And this is something that me personally, I have cried out for all my life. And I know that I'm an intelligent person, I'm an educated person, but sometimes I struggle with understanding, with fully grasping things. And, I, and, and, and I'm so like determined that I will not give up until I actually get the understanding. But then when that light goes, you know when that light bulb goes off and you just get it? I never forget it, and then I know. It's like trying to learn things on a computer. I'm not good with directions. I'm like dysfunctional when it comes to reading directions. And yet if somebody comes and shows me step by step how to do it and I actually do it and, and then I get it, I never forget. And then I know how to do it. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's, it's not about just gathering data, um, having knowledge of, of the world, the Bible, the spirit realm, whatever it might be any number of topics it's about knowing what to do with it and it's about functioning practically in it and functioning according to the plan of God and so we're going to look at we're going to look at one word for understanding there are many and then on the very back sheet I always, it seems like I always come in with two teachings is just like a touch point of another word for understanding that is really synonymous with this word that we're going to look at. They just have very slightly different meanings and applications. And I hope we get there, but if we don't, it's going to be just like extra credit for you. So there's no harm in that, right? Right? So the word that we're going to look at is this word. It's translated in the Hebrew is being. <laughs> And, and you can see on your sheet that the verb is being, and then the noun is bina. And it is the Hebrew word that's translated as an understanding in the Old Testament, and it literally means to separate mentally. Um, and we, you know, if we go into the New Testament and we do that study, I think of Crino or whatever, you know, it says separate mentally. And so it's, it's being able mentally to be able to separate associate, put together, and then understand. And so this, the, the literal meaning is to separate mentally. But it refers to knowledge that is more than just gathering of data, but knowing how to use that knowledge and how to function in it practically. And it comes from the root word, ben, bean, meaning to discern between two factors. And so you think about the saints, you think about understanding. It's, it's most generally going to be discerning between good and evil, right? And between darkness and light, because we are sons of God. We are standing before him in the gap, representing him in the authority of him, and being, understanding, is knowing what to do. And it comes from him. I mean, it comes from him. It's what Solomon prayed when he asked that the Lord would give him an understanding heart to discern between good and evil and how to judge the people. Because he wanted to serve the Lord in the fullness of what God had given to him in the kingdom. And really, we have to be able to grasp that understanding as we stand between light and darkness. And this is just getting to me more and more profound. In the world that we live in and in this walk that we are in. So, it's a perceptive insight. It's not about knowing all the answers or having all the answers but it's more about understanding 
and being able to grasp what God's doing, what God is saying, and 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 then obeying it effectively, effectively. Interestingly, and I did not do this back study, but I, I found this in one of uh, pastor's books that says that this word stems from the word ben, which is the word for son, and I think that's very interesting. And he says in his book, the father can entrust a son to represent him as a priest, as a mediator, as an intercessor, facing opposition in any situation to not be deceived and to know what the assignment is and to fulfill it. But we have to have this measure of understanding. We have to understand his plan so that we can execute it. It's very similar to me when we were praying at the gates the other night and we were, you know, our directive was to, to execute truth and peace. You know, I was at my gate or I was at a gate and, and, and I was asking the Lord, you just use my intercession because I don't really know exactly what you're, what you desire me to execute here but you do and so i'm very thankful for that amen amen everybody good good so we're going to start with issachar and listen guys i know that we have taught about talked about applied prayed for laid hands on i mean (laughs) We, we, we have covered Issachar over the past 20, 23 years. We have prayed for the Issachar anointing. I believe that we have that. But I just feel like at this juncture, this is where the Lord wanted me to start. And this is something that he wants to, us to revisit and to really um, just prophetically step into in this hour that we're in. And so First Chronicles 12, verse 32 it says, And the children of Issachar, which were men that had understanding, they had this bina of the times to know what Israel ought to do. The heads of them were two hundred, and all their brethren were at the command or were at their commandment. Now, am I reading this right that there was only two hundred of them? That's a small tribe. Oh, the leaders, the heads. Issachar was kind of a big deal. <laughs> I mean, they, they, they were a big deal. They, um, let's just review a little bit of what we've learned about Issachar. First of all, looking at the scripture, it says they had understanding of the times. And this word for times is et or eat et Hebrew. And, and we understand that to mean it's a time or a season. They had understanding of the times or the seasons. But if you if you trace that word back, the root of that word means to advance or to pass forward, to pass on. And so what God had given them in way of understanding the times was for them to break through, for them to advance and then to know, to yada, what Israel ought to do. We know that the Bible talks about them being a strong ass crouching between two burdens strange phrase but we've studied about this and um, pastors written about this they they were they had a strong structure okay and they literally it means that they were standing between two strengths one being the security of the nation the other being like the the training the development the um, supply and everything that comes along with the military and so they're crouching there between there they're strong but they were very gifted at hearing from God and when you study this word uh, being it very much directs relate directly relates to being able to hear God okay and so they had this gift to hear from God God concerning what his people were to do what Israel was to do and so the tribes all the other tribes were very dependent on the word that, is, that, that Issachar gave. They were very anointed by God with the capacity to discern his heart for the people. 
So relationship, I mean, they, they had that going on. I mean, God really did gift them. But something else that's really interesting to me is, is when you study about this tribe, it talks about how they were students or they were eminent for their study in physical science and astronomy. And, you know, back then they didn't have Apple watches. <laughs> you know, they didn't have, ca they didn't have like, I mean, it was different back then. And so I'm sure they looked at the, the, the course of what was going on around them in the universe and the, in the solar system and, and they gleaned that. They, 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 they gleaned that. They gleaned un understanding from the handiwork of God, basically. And that was just a strong gift for them, but that was also something that they were, um, that they studied, that they, that they were very well studied in. Now, we know that astronomy deals with, astronomy is one who focuses their studies on specific questions or field outside of the scope of Earth. It's the study of celest celestial objects, stars, galaxies, planets, moons, et cetera, et cetera. And then physical science is physics, astronomy, chemistry, and earth science. And earth science embraces um, the planet Earth, and it's the study of how nat the natural environment that we live in, this Earth, the ecosphere or Earth system, how it works, how it evolved, to its current state. It includes the study of atmospheres, hydrospheres, lithospheres, and biospheres. So I, I guess I just find that very, very interesting because these are things that Issachar was keen in, in, in their awareness of, in their study of. They understood these kinds of things. This is God's handiwork, right? And so whenever signs and wonders would occur in the heavens, they knew how to interpret that. And they knew the meaning of what that meant in the event of how they move forward. They had that anointing to know what to do and when to do it, when to move. They had perception, discernment, and wisdom, and the whole nation followed them. They also had strong spiritual power and intelligence. And it says the men of Issachar not only understood what God was doing, but they knew how to respond to what he was doing. And they had a plan. And it was his plan. But it was based on these things that I just discussed. So, you know, we can understand the times, and we can even understand what the Bible says. But none of that means anything unless we know how to act upon it. Right? Unless we have the understanding to know what to do with the information that he's given to us that we have and how to respond and how to apply the truth in the midst of it and to have, you know, to be effective. And so I say all this to say that this is something that God gave to them, but they applied it. You know, they had to apply it. And I just feel very strongly that as, as we embark upon going throughout the earth prophetically and apostolically, releasing the word, doing, you know, calling forth springs in the dry places, calling forth the rain, whatever it might be, God wants us, or God, I'm just going to declare it, he is releasing to us a deeper measure of this anointing to understand what it means and how we move in it, because that's critical. And I think the deeper we get into it, the more important it's going to be. And so I just release that measure of understanding both into our apostle, but into this body, into the body of saints, that we truly would step into this anointing in a deeper way. And whatever that means, I don't know. I am just being obedient to what God put, put in me to, to release very, very humbly because I just feel like this is what he wants, and this is what he's given to us. And, and how we pursue that, I don't know. It's not that we have to go and start studying the stars. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying just the awareness 
of his handiwork, the awareness of how he's moving throughout this earth in the heavens is so important. I, my grandfather was, was um, a Bible scholar. And, you know, it, it saddens me because as a, as a young girl, I, you know, I would sit under him. I would go to his Bible studies. You know, I remember being in church and, and listening to him preach when I was a little girl and then, the, and then getting a little bit older and he would do these Bible studies on Friday night. And, and I remember one particular um, season where he taught every Friday night on the book of Revelation. And, and I remember going over to his house and I was young. And he would start to talk to me about how the Lord was really, um, he felt the Lord was trying to teach him about the heavens and about what's going on out there in the outer universe. And I thought that was such a strange thing because to me, uh, it was just unusual. But I trust, I trusted him and I trusted his relationship with the Lord and I know that was God. I really do. And it, it saddens me because even though I feel like I received the blessing from him, um, and I, I, I hold fast to that because I, I, it's manifest so many ways in my life and in ministry. Um, I wish I could just sit and talk with him and just, just hear spiritually what the Lord was showing him. Because, you know, what we see tangibly is not everything. And I'm not saying we go out and we start studying these outer... I'm not saying that. I'm just saying God is anointing us to have an understanding of how he's moving throughout the whole universe about the whole world to understand that and to be able to move on that very, very powerfully and effectively, right? Because everything he does, every way that he moves, he is creator of the universe. He is sovereign over all of it. And so, um, yeah, anyway, so that's that. Amen? So let's talk about a couple of other um, examples of this word for um, understanding. Joseph. We're going to talk about Joseph, and this has to do with rulership. Um, so just to paraphrase, if y'all will remember that Joseph was in prison, and um, Pharaoh dreamed a dream, and no one could interpret it. And remember, the dream was about um, there was fat cows, and there were skinny cows, and the skinny cows ate the fat cows, remember that? And, and then there was seven stalks of corn, and there was good corn, healthy corn, and there was withered and thin corn. And the withered and thin corn ate up the good corn stalks. And so nobody, none of his magicians or whatever could interpret the dream. So they called for Joseph out of prison brought him up, cleaned him up, and Joseph interpreted the dream. And the interpretation was there will be seven years of plenty throughout all the land, and then there will arise another seven years of famine, and all the plenty shall be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and the famine shall consume the land. That was the interpretation. And then we have your scripture that's on your sheet, Genesis 41, 33 through 42. Now therefore let Pharaoh look out a man discreet, Ben, and wise, and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this, and let him appoint officers over the land, and take up the fifth part of the land of Egypt in the seven plenteous years. And let them gather all the food of those good years, and come, and lay up corn under the hand of Pharaoh, and let them keep food in the cities. And that food shall be for store to the land against the seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt, that the land perish not through famine." And the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all the servants. Now, the thing that's interesting to me, well, I'll go ahead. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, can we find such a one as this is a man whom the spirit of God is? And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, forasmuch as God has shown thee all of this, there is none so discreet or been and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house, and according unto the word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. 
And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand, put it upon Joseph's hand, and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen, and put a gold chain about his neck. I always thought that Joseph was promoted because of his gift of interpretation. <laughs> but it really wasn't that. I mean, that played a part into it. There's a difference between interpretation and the gift of interpretation and this gift of understanding. So you see what happened. He interpreted the dream, and then he stepped into this gift of understanding, and he began to tell Pharaoh what he needed to do. And, and it's, it's, it's that understanding that says, okay, this is the insight. What is God saying that we're supposed to do with it? And how do we overcome? How do we apply it? How do we, how do we move forward in it effectively according to the plan of God? And I just never saw that before. I just always thought that he had this keen gift of interpretation, which is wonderful. But it was really the fact that that Ruah, that spirit of God was within him. And we remember the Ruah is really, the Ruah is the representation of the very person of God. And it's depicted as the Ruah of Yahweh or the Ruah of Elohim throughout scripture. And so Joseph had this Ruah of Elohim within him. And from that place, he gleaned and understood what the plan of God was. And I just think that's so powerful because we need this. And because of that, this guy who was in prison, and to all he knew, he was going back to the dungeon after this. He had no idea Pharaoh was going to put a ring on his hand and say, okay, you're going to be second in command, only second to me, the king. That's pretty, that's pretty amazing to me. And it was, it was really by virtue of him moving in this measure of understanding and wisdom um, that came through that spirit of God that was within him. And I, I just, I love that. And I, I mean, I claim that. I do. I mean, I, I'm constantly praying that God would just gift us with just deeper measures of interpretation. And, and, but I'm, I'm asking for this. Um, we need to have understanding because was it the divine providence of God that this happened in Joseph's life? Absolutely. I mean, you look at his life, and it was point by point the plan of God. But still, he stepped into um, that anointing and, and really representing the very person of God, his, his heart and his plan, and, and it's just a very powerful thing. Amen? Amen. So I lay claim to that, too. I do. Let's look at Eli and Samuel, priest and prophet. I, I just, I included this because I just think it's really interesting the way that um, this all flowed. First Samuel 3, 7 through 15. Now Samuel did not yet know Yahweh. You guys all know the backstory about all this, okay? Um, Eli, his king, his, well, you say his kingdom, his priesthood, had become somewhat corrupt because he had corrupt sons. And the Lord had spoken to him um, in 1 Samuel, saying that his influence would soon be destroyed and taken over by a young one who loves the Lord, honors the Lord. Um, so, now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time, and he arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou did call me. And Eli perceived, Eli bent, he, he had understanding that, that Yahweh had called the child. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and it, and it shall be, if he call thee, and thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant hears. So Samuel went and laid in his place. And Yahweh came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant hears. And the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do a thing in Israel, at which both the ears of every one that hears it shall tingle. In that day I will perform against Eli all things which I have spoken concerning the house. When I begin, I will also make an end. For I have told him, I have told him that I judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows. 
because his sons have made themselves vile and restrained them, he's restrained them not. And therefore I have sworn unto the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be, be purged with sacrifice nor offerings forever. And Samuel laid until the morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord and he feared to show Eli the vision. Now, I love this because Eli knew what was coming. God had already spoken to him and told him what was coming. He knew the circumstances. He knew the scenario with his sons. And he knew, being close to the Lord as a priest, that God wasn't going to abide with the sinful nature of, of his offspring for, for very much longer. But the beautiful thing about that I love about this is that he was... He understood Yahweh. He understood what God's plan was. And he was obedient to guide Samuel in what he was supposed to do, which subsequently opened up the prophetic ministry for Samuel and really vision in the, in, in the land. It could have gone a different way. He could have taken on like, oh, yeah, that was me. You know what I mean? But he didn't. He served the Lord in that way. He understood the plan of God and what God was doing. And, and you know, you, you think about understanding this, this kind of understanding being separating or discerning between good and evil. This is such a good example of that. Because the Lord was, he was, he was ready to purify his temple again from the evil that had taken over. And so I just, I, I think it's kind of remarkable that... Um, that Eli, he understood, he perceived, and he acted upon it accordingly, and it really did open. I mean, you just think about what happened after Samuel took his place. I mean, then you had Saul, then you had David, then you, I mean, the whole kingdom really had measures of breakthrough, so. Let's look at David. This is this is Saul. This is the scenario. Remember where Saul had an evil spirit that was tormenting him, and they were trying to figure out what to do, and and so they called for David to come and play his instrument and minister so that the evil spirit would be lifted. And so, um, basically, that's what happened. Let me just read. But the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. And the Saul's servant said unto him, Behold now, an evil spirit from God troubles thee. Let our Lord now command thy servants, which are before thee, to seek out a man who is a cunning player on a harp. And it shall come to pass, when the evil spirit from God is upon thee, that he shall play with his hand, and thou shalt be well. And Saul said unto his servants, Provide me now a man who can play well, and bring, me, bring him to me. And they, taught, they said, Okay, we have one, his son of Jesse, he's with the sheep. Um... It says, he is cunning in playing, he is a mighty valiant man, he is a man of war, and he is prudent, he has been in matters of Debar, and a comely person, because that was important, and the Lord is within him. Wherefore, Saul sent messengers unto Jesse and said, send me David thy son, which is with the sheep. Another great example of good versus evil and discerning that and how the Lord used this um, to break that. But when you look at prudent in matters, that's prudent in Debar. And we remember, we've studied about Debar. And literally what Debar is, is what God is saying or what he has said, as well as de detailing the pathway to its fulfillment. And so David, who was a valiant man, a man of war, he was understanding in Debar. He was understanding in what God was saying what he had said, and he had understanding in the detailing of the pathway to its fulfillment. And I just want to say, I want that. Amen? I want that measure of understanding where I am prudent in the depart of God and that I can represent him, that we all can represent him in this way towards, towards um, fulfillment. Amen? Anybody have a comment? saying that he was a cunning player. 
I just find that very interesting. I'd like to research that and see exactly what that, what that word came from and exactly, because that's, that's a very unusual word to be there to me. I don't know what that means. I didn't look, but I'm sure somebody it might mean can. mean discerning. I don't know. Yeah, yeah it may be. Well, it's just, it's just Yadon. Oh. So that means he just could improvise and go oh. off and just whatever. play whatever he thought Creative. and whatever. It, that's interesting, though. I mean, you could it develop is. off that. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, if somebody's talkative, they can really engender any kind of discussion. You know, it, right. you know not that there's anybody in the room that's like that. But if you're a musician that can do that, mm -hmm. you can just go off and whatever the spirit says, you can play along and create just like you were talking. That's interesting. It is. Yeah. That, that, that's your teaching. <laughs> you get to work on that, Fran. Okay. But see, then you link that with this whole business of the evil spirit from the Lord and the spirit of Yahweh departing from Saul, which is still somewhat of a mystery. Yeah. You know, we understand what it means. You can look at all the words and you can figure out that Saul was supposed to be partnering with the plan of Yahweh, but he kept departing from it. And so God withdrew that, which he does. It's like in Revelation, if you don't turn, I'm going to remove your candlestick. And But then this evil, this raw spirit from Yahweh on behalf of the plan and we've always said and I believe this is true that if, if you've been commissioned to do something for the Lord and you just insist on not doing it and God says okay enough I'm going to use somebody else then that thing in the plan of God that you were supposed to be doing what you were supposed to be overcoming what you were supposed to be attacking that that capacity doesn't forget, and, and it will come against the individual. Now, that sounds harsh, but that's just true. I mean, you know, if you think about it in any other kind of life. I mean, in anything in life, if you have a responsibility to do something and you don't do it, that thing's going to keep hammering you. And uh, But it says it's from Yahweh, but it really... It's all about what your assignment was, what your agenda was before God, what He appointed you to do. So it's all from Yahweh anyway. But but why a cunning player? It doesn't say David had the anointing. It doesn't say David was next in line. It doesn't say David was a slayer of tens of thousands or he was good looking or any of those things. It says that he, he knew how to Yada on this heart. And that's what caused there to be freedom. And, and it conveys a measure of understanding. It conveys a measure of being able to sense what the Spirit is doing. And somehow when that measure of um, understanding and making sense of the situation would come, then that scenario alleviated from Saul. So again, it comes back to the business of understanding. It comes back to the business of being able to glean what really is going on and to be able to communicate that in a soothing way because music, as you all know, um, communicates better than just about any other thing. And, and it has a, it, it has a universal language to relate to every person on earth, and um, so if somehow that was able to get through to Saul, and his lack of partnering with Yahweh was assuaged, I'm just trying to figure this out and in alignment with what you've been teaching. That it then really does say management, 
this is what you should do, you know, then implaying a, a yada on the harp does bring about um, victory because he's cunning, he's cunning in play, he's prudent, and he and he's good looking. <laughs> anyway. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm just taking yeah, a stab. Right there. It's just, you know, in the midst of darkness and light, which we are in the midst of, we've got to have this understanding to know how to apply, what to apply in the midst of God's plan, in the midst of what God's saying, in our pathway of that measure of completion or fulfillment or resolve, restoration, whatever it might be. story so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm not gonna read all these passages this, this long passage but I do want to bring um, something to your attention and something that I actually did never realized I know God appeared to Solomon in a dream it says it right there he appeared to Solomon in a dream by night and God said what shall I give to thee and well, I guess what I never realized was that Solomon reacted or responded to God in his sleep. It doesn't say that Solomon woke up and then spoke to God or responded. He responded to him when he was asleep. This whole conversation happened when Solomon was asleep. And I just, I, you know, we talk about dreams and we talk about just being in that realm where every measure of, every measure of, of reasoning that you might have is the least active when you're asleep. And so I I just think that's just really interesting that, that it had to have been from God. It was God's plan that he, he take over the kingship and that he rule the people with this a measure of understanding with a heart to understand so that he could serve between good and evil because it was, I mean, yeah. So he asked for an understanding heart that he could both clearly discern and then really faithfully perform all the duty that God had given to him as a young king. And I think that's our heart. That is our heart is that we understand what God is saying, what he is doing. We understand his plan. We, we glean the insights. And beyond that, we want to faithfully perform all that he has for us to the best that we can and to what is pleasing to him. And that comes through this, this, this measure of understanding. And, and so it's not so much about um, it's, it's about the application of what he has shown us the why and the how, and um, that's really what I'm praying So, can I get an amen? amen. We're going to go into to the Levites. We're going to talk about song again. This is for you, Fran. Because um, I think this is also very interesting. This is a scenario where they're preparing to bring the ark into Jerusalem a second time. First time was a massive fail. And so, let's read First Chronicles 15, 12 through 16. And he said unto them, You are the chief of the fathers of the Levites. David is speaking to them. He's establishing the structure for what's going to take place as they move the ark. If you don't think David desired to have this measure of understanding in this process after what happened the first time. Okay, so that's a crucial key in this whole story. So he appoints the Levites. He, he tells them to sanctify themselves both ye and your brethren, that ye may bring the ark of the Lord God of Israel into the place that I have prepared for it. For because you did it not at the first, the Lord our God made a breach upon us, for that we sought him not after the due order. So David wasn't necessarily moving in this measure of understanding the first time around. So the priests and the Levites sanctified themselves to bring up the ark of the Lord of God, 
And the children of the Levites bare the ark of God upon their shoulders with the staves thereof, and Moses commanded according to the word of the Lord. And David spoke to the chief of the Levites to appoint the brethren to be singers and instruments of music, psalteries, and harps and cymbals, sounding by lifting up the voice with joy. And then verse 22, And Shenaniah, chief of the Levites, was for song. He instructed about the song because he was skillful. He was bent. He had this measure of understanding. But the thing that I really want to point out to you, first of all, is the gravity of this story, the gravity of this scenario. Because the first time when it didn't go so well, there was a man that just was, you know, lost his, I mean, right there on the spot. And it was not a good situation. What was so important to the Lord and what was so important to David is that they did it the right thing at the right time, the, the right way this way, this time. That the process was right, that they were moving in a measure of understanding, requiring the men to be sanctified, to move in the purity and the, really the capability of God himself. Um, but the interesting thing about this passage is this word for song is the word massa. And we've studied about this word. Um, I've studied about this word a lot, and it literally is the burden of the Lord. And so what this translates to me is that what they were releasing in song through this process as they were bringing the very presence of God in Jerusalem had to come from that spirit of understanding. Because it says he was skillful, right? He, he was bent. He had this measure of understanding. And so think about how profound it is that he was over the singers and the players. What they saw, what they sang... The words that came out of their mouth, it, it literally translates is, is they were like a carriage of the song, a carriage of the burden of the Lord. And it was just important. It wasn't about, um, it really, it wasn't about the ark just being heavy and they had to know the right way to do it. It was about what they were releasing from that spirit, that skillfulness, that understanding of this is the way God wants it done, and we're going to partner with that, and everything that we sing and declare is in partnership with his plan and his process in his way. And, and so there was a lot of pressure. I mean, I can't even imagine the pressure and, str and stress of bearing this burden, really, that the first time when it didn't go the way God had intended resulted in that kind of death. And so they really... <laughs> They needed the Lord to help. And, and I think that the reason why this, this, this affected me or this hit me is because the deeper we get into this and the deeper we get into the time, the, the time frame of the Lord, I become more and more aware of the power of God's presence. Of course, of evil, Tobin wrong, but of the power of God's presence. And yes, we're walking in grace and we have grace, but there's also judgment. There's that mishpat that we have to apply and we will have to apply that judgment at the gates. I mean, that execution of that at the gates, we are, we are conduits of that. We are those that will release that, whether it's in prophetic declaration or in song or whatever it might be. So we call heaven to earth and do we really know what we're saying? The weightiness of God's presence. We're calling it to earth. But the, the weightiness of that burden of his manifest presence. And so, you know, as we pray for that and we pray for the power that comes in that, are we ready? I don't know. I guess I, guess I think about Uzzah. And I think about how quickly that happened. God did that in that moment because they really weren't moving in that measure of understanding. And, and that man lost his life and it was tragic. But I mean, are you ready for turning around and seeing one of your loved ones as a pillar of salt? Yeah. So I think about the Lord and the I'm not saying that's going to happen to anybody's loved ones. No, 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 no. <laughs> but, but, uh, what I 
singers who had this skill, this measure of understanding, to really you know, be the chiefs leading along the way. Yeah. Yeah, it's just there's such power in that song and in carrying that burden. And I, I, I don't mean to be like a, a downer. I'm just saying his, his presence is weighty and powerful. Mm-hmm. And we have been walking, this, this nation alone has been walking in the grace of God so amazingly to me. But is there going to come a day? I mean, did he not burn a city? I don't know. But all I know is I want that I want us to, to be moving in that measure of, of his design where we understand his perfect design. We understand his plan no matter what it looks like. And, and, and we're partnering with that. I was just going to say that the fellow who studied the ark and died, God wasn't surprised by that. He knew it was going to happen. You know, it wasn't an accident by any means. It made him showing, showing us what would happen. But that, God wasn't surprised about that. I don't believe. He's probably sitting up there just watching. <laughs> watching those guys trying to do it in their own way. And that's one of the things that I, you know, you really learn about this because we can't, this is from God. I mean, this is understanding from Him. This is not something we can fabricate, manifest on our own. It's just... Okay, let's look at Psalm. We're going to look at one Psalm, 103. Says, how sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I'm sorry, that's 103. 104. Through thy precepts I get understanding. Therefore I hate every evil, every every false way. This word for precepts is the word peak peakwad. And it, it's a term for the responsibility that God places upon people. His mandates, his commandments, his precepts, his statutes. But it's the responsibility through those that he gives to us. So through our obedience in those responsibilities of his mandates in the appointed time, as we're obedient to that, we get understanding. I love that. I love that. Amen. And then Psalm 1, both of these are 119, 144. The righteousness of thy testimonies is everlasting. Give me understanding and I shall live. And so, you know, show me, Lord, your testimony. Show me your law, your gospel. Show me. Show me that. And as I'm obedient to that and and gain understanding, I will live. Isaiah 28, I included this just because it's such a signature, signature set of passages for us. And, and I'm, so I'm not going to read it. I'm just going to say, guys, whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Whom shall he teach knowledge? Them that are weaned from the milk and run from the breast. We have got to keep probing into the new. We can never stop that pursuit of his first love. We can never stop being willing to build line upon line upon the doctrine and the thoughts of God that he teaches to us. We have got to to maintain that pioneer spirit no matter what it costs to walk in expectancy and wonder as he continues to reveal to us his plan. And, And through that, 
through that pursuit, he will give us this measure of understanding. He does give that to us. Amen. And then lastly, we're going to talk about Daniel. And you find throughout, you find this principle throughout the whole book of Daniel. I just plucked a couple of verses because I wanted you to see that really the angelic are very instrumental in releasing or imparting this measure of understanding to God's sons. And yet at the same time, we recognize when, the more I studied about Daniel, the more I realized just the purity of his spirit and the pursuit of knowing God's ways and his, his heart, his ways, his plan was so pure and so pleasing to the Lord. And, and through that relationship, God gave him understanding for what he had called him to stand in. And really, you know, from the first day that Daniel set his heart to understand, to take a stand in a place where he was thrown in the lion's den. I mean, he was just continuously met by fire and opposition. The Bible says his words were heard by the Father and the angel Michael would continue to come and give him this measure of understanding so that he could function in the role for which God had given to him. But the point that I want to make in the end of this is that it wasn't easy for him. And it affected him in just about every way, I think. You know, for days it says he would lay sick and depressed and sad and um, just at the understanding of what lied ahead for God's people. And so... We have to recognize that, 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 that we are really vessels that belong to the Lord, and we ask the Lord for this measure of both interpretation and understanding to move in this. But as God begins to show us and reveal to us what lies ahead, either for our nation, for this world, for whatever, um, we can expect it to affect us physically and because this is it. I mean, this is everything. This is everything to us. His plan and fulfilling his plan, being obedient to that is everything to us. And so it's a small place to pay. Um, and two, also to recognize that as we submit and we embrace and we accept the commission and we set our heart to understand, that's what the Bible says, from the first day that you set your heart to bed to understand, and to chasten yourself before the Lord. Your words were heard. And then God sent Michael to come and, um, and to speak to him. And these are, I mean, these are visitations that I'm expecting. I mean, really, I really am expecting this. Because we, today, we submit ourselves to all that God has for us. We want all that God has for us. We want every measure of his spirit. We want every measure of, of understanding that he has for us so that we can walk faithfully and effectively and apply just the Namatakos understandings that we have. Don't you want that? I want, I want that every day for us. And so I just, I, I speak that into to this body. I speak that into the saints that, that, that we would, that we would see breakthrough in these ways. And, um, that we wouldn't be overcome by the reality of, of where we stand in the battle between good and evil, but we would know that God is equipping us as, as those that are prudent in the debar to know what God is saying, to hear Him, and to <coughs> apply and to go forward in that. And um, so I just release that in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Lord. And so we're not going to do that last page. I just want to encourage you maybe to read through these verses. This word is, a, is synonymous with this word for Ben. It has a little bit of a different meaning. But these verses that I gave you are very interesting because this second word really <coughs> relates to um, stepping into a measure of breakthrough, of the Salah, of prosperity. And it's just that word is just so amazing. It's just so rich and so good. And in it has everything that we need. So, Lord, thank you for, for meeting with us today, and thank you for your words. Lord, we have hearts that say, 
We want to hear what you're saying to your church. Lord, open our ears to hear and give us hearts to understand so that we can apply appropriately all that you're speaking and saying and showing to us. And Lord, bless this people, bless this day. Go forth, help us to go forth in all that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen.